Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Oh, it's a bit of a sweaty one, Amy. I've just been on a walk. I'm a little bit uh, damp. <laughs> Welcome to the Wellbeing Lab. I'm Will Young. We're doing an OB, which is an outside broadcast. <laughs> I haven't just asked Amy what that is. Um, I'm here with Charlotte Daly, and we are in Crystal Palace. We're in Free the Gallery, and I'm looking in this space. It's like being in the sort of upper level of a barn, I would say, but it's got a very high roof. And there's colour everywhere. There's paintings on the walls. The floorboards are painted, lots of different colours. I mean, there's clothes hanging. I won't even begin to tell you what's behind that curtain. It's just absolute heaven. <laughs> lots of vintage clothes. We've sort of walked down this little, really sweet little street that feels like it should be in the middle of a country town. Mm. My overarching notion is one of colour, positivity and creativity. That's what I'm getting. And textiles. And I've just seen a surfboard. So there, I've done the description. Please introduce yourself and tell me what you do for a living. Yes, my name's Charlotte Daly and I'm an art psychotherapist and I work full-time as an art psychotherapist. So I partly work in the NHS in a children's mental health team, but then I also do freelance work. So I also work for other charities, more grassroots organisations, supporting children and young people. And I often go into schools or work in sort of community centres. So... It's more sort of being in the heart of the community rather than being in the NHS, which is more obviously a clinical setting. So it's a slightly different approach. To that must be quite freeing, actually, in a way. So how many days do you do in the NHS? Yeah. In, in, the, in the mental facility? So children's mental health. Yeah. So I effectively work for CAMS. Ah. So I'm based within a CAMS service and within a team. And we are four days a week. I'm in a clinical setting so I'm based within sort of we were called the clinic essentially mm. and children come in young people and we assess we can diagnose and then I'm specifically obviously offering art psychotherapy treatment to young people or children with a variety of sort of emotional needs and different presentations and then on sort of my one other day I work in freelance. When people come to you the younger people do they come with a diagnosis and or does art therapy help get a diagnosis? Good question. So often when we receive a response... It'll be the best question you get. <laughs> yeah. It's all downhill from now. <laughs> well, start where it well. came from. Yeah. So I think essentially the children's team I work in, we will receive referrals from either GPs, schools, a social worker... And then part of the multidisciplinary team that we work in will go through kind of the referral, we'll invite the family and child in, we'll carry out an assessment. And during the assessment process, we'll try and tease out what some of the sort of issues or difficulties are that's currently happening with the child or the family. We do take quite a sort of family approach because often looking at a child or young person in isolation, 
isn't very helpful. So it's often really useful to sort of bring the parents in, sometimes have a separate meeting with the parent, have a separate meeting with the child, depending on age. That's a very interesting point. Yeah, so we are... Makes sense, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, because I think if you do only interview a child or a young person, you kind of only get one side of the story. And it's really helpful. People often, you know, are living in a family system, so we really need to understand what's happening in the system, you know, what's going on with the parents. And, and that siblings. must be tricky, because I suppose some parents might be quite defensive. Definitely. They? But do they get involved within art therapy, the parents as well? or So they can do, so... Part of the treatment plan, because what we try and do is tailor the treatment or package to the needs of that particular family. So if it feels beneficial for the parent and child to be in the room making art together, then we mm. would do that. Versus sometimes it just feels more helpful for just sort of the space to only be used for the young person. So it really depends on, I guess I'm thinking a bit more about, is there something more interpersonally mm. happening between parent mm. and child or young person? So we need to look a bit more deeper at the relationship aspect of what's going on or is it that that young person needs that space because they're in quite a chaotic home environment and actually being alone yes for most of the sessions is more beneficial but then perhaps you bring the parent to join sessions later on so you really tailor things as you go along really so it's quite it's very flexible usually is what I'm saying I like that particularly with art therapy I don't it's not necessarily all models Mm. because it's really client-based which I think is really important and Actually, I think this might be useful for people listening, and myself included, because I, I sort of know what CAMS is. Yeah. And I was speaking to a friend the other day, and they've been working with CAMS, who they say have been brilliant yeah. with a child of theirs. So what is CAMS? So CAMS effectively is sort of the acronym for Children and Adolescent Mental Health Service, and it's the national service for children and young people. There's various CAMS teams across all of the UK, Every borough will have a CAMS team and we are really set out to provide what we call tier two and tier three services. So tier two services is what we call early intervention work. So I've worked in both types of team. Tier two effectively is more low level mental health difficulties. So we're talking low level anxiety, low mood, perhaps bullying at school, some family difficulties, but not severe. So it's definitely Tier two is more trying to sort of catch things early, essentially. It's more preventative work. Tier three, however, is more complex presentations. So we're talking about where there's probably been a history of quite chronic abuse. There's been perhaps trauma. There's been more neurodevelopmental disorders like autism, ADHD. And that's where generally you would then have a psychiatrist involved more clinical psychologists so that's where the multidisciplinary team becomes really effective because it's more severe presentations and does cams run so you say every borough obviously has cams yeah so every council in the uk has a cams team yeah so every local authority every local authority yeah yeah, yeah. there will be yeah and, is that separate for, from the nhs so cams comes under the nhs ah, okay. but it's just what we Basically, it's how we separate adult mental health from children. But they can sort of branch out from a build Because when I think of NHS, I think of a building. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think hospital, building. Yes. The CAMs can go into schools, can they? Well, they talk we to can. Schools? There are CAM services that are set up to go into the schools. Mm. But traditionally, I guess the medical model that CAMs follows is that families come to the clinic. To the clinic. So it. that's how it, it kind of differs from more freelance art therapy or charities because we tend to invite families in i think that is some of the struggle in 
sort of getting hard to reach groups of people because yeah. we're effectively saying come to our clinic and sometimes these are families that have quite difficult socioeconomic you know they perhaps are quite deprived they have financial difficulties so that we have had cases where some families are like we can't afford to get the bus to come into wow. clinic yeah. they can't afford to come and see us yeah. so I think there's arguments for and against sort of clinic settings being quite difficult to access which is traditionally how CAMS is set up, really. But yeah. they are trying to do more outreach work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think in crisis work, CAMS teams do go into the home yeah, to see yeah. young people, but it has to be quite severe. Now, it's really useful. I didn't think I was going to ask you about that, but actually I suddenly thought, well, I've never been yeah. that clear on CAMS. So yeah. Other people could be no, so, yeah, clear as well. It's not 100%. I think it is, until you're in the system, mm. I don't think it is that clear sometimes. I'm really interested in your journey because you studied as an art graduate did you yes so my background is initially art and design so I did originally did an art foundation course and thought do I want to go into fine art do I want to do fashion you know I was kind of really drawn to sort of all different mediums of creativity and I actually then went to Leeds University did a textile design degree and thought actually I want to be a print designer so when I moved to London I initially worked in print design studios and yeah was just generating and, and coming up with commercial print designs so I did that for the first three to four years of living here and I started to not feel like I was getting much out of that I guess I wasn't feeling very fulfilled in that job mm. and I just felt like I needed something else that was going to make me I guess feel more fulfilled in what I was doing and feel like I was getting more out of it essentially so I started doing a little bit of voluntary work outside of my sort of design role and essentially started working for an autistic charity, just being a support worker, just doing little bits at the weekends and in the evenings. And gradually, over the course of a year, I started really enjoying working with more vulnerable groups of people and actually thought, I'm finding this more rewarding than my day-to-day -day job. So I then took the plunge to go back to uni and retrain in art psychotherapy. Okay, so now let's get on. So then you've trained, now you're doing what you're doing. Yeah. What is art therapy? So art therapy effectively is it's about having a three-way relationship in terms of traditional talking therapy it's just the therapist and the client art therapy is unique in that you're bringing image making and art essentially into that dynamic so art therapy is where you're using the art to express and create really sort of difficult emotions that might not be so easy to verbalize so it's really it's a really helpful therapy in terms of it's a form of non-verbal communication. So it works really well with children, young people, adults who find it really hard to verbalise emotions, difficulties, things that they might be struggling with. So it really, it's a different outlet for those struggles, really. So And sort of younger parts of us know, because yes, if they, exactly. what I've found in my myriads of therapy over the years is that the younger parts, mm. let's say they've gone through a trauma of, of yeah. sorts depending on how young that part is, yeah, yeah. they don't have the verbal... Exactly. You know, if we're looking to embrace those sort of almost frozen states of us, yeah, yeah. they don't have the verbal capacity, yeah. do they, to no. go, oh, I feel like maybe there was yeah. codependence going on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly, it's they just can't like, name. No, they can't name. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so that's, I found, very useful. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think you've really highlighted another key aspect that's really important that a lot of early... I think if we're more thinking about early abuse, early trauma it tends to be stored on the right 
hemisphere of the brain, which is more the emotional, creative side, which is also the more sensory mm. side. Mm. So effectively, art is tapping into the sensory aspect, which you're right, isn't associated with words. And, and sometimes it's those unprocessed feelings that you can't name or you no. can't really explain what, what this is, but and you can just be, need to make something. And can be very overwhelming. Sorry yeah. to interrupt. Very overwhelming, yeah, yeah, I've yeah. found. And what about sort of externalising those kind of feelings as well? So something... Because I always think about the importance of sort of getting something out. Exactly. You know, yeah. talking's one way, but... Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's also about the process of that expression that is more... I guess it's a more visceral feeling. Some of the art therapy theory talks about sort of the embodied image and actually the process of making in itself holds a lot of the emotion and yeah. it's quite a cathartic process actually just the making because often I have clients who say to me oh I'm not very good at art I can't do this and I often say to them it's not about being a good artist I'm not going to grade you you're not at school it's an opportunity for you to actually engage in a process where quite unconscious material that you you're not even aware of because what we're trying to really is do is make sense of things that are quite hard and quite almost quite abstract so mm. art therapy really lends itself to to being able to support that and and it, like you say ex- externalize and and have a medium to to reflect on those things and I think that's a really good point you've made because people might think oh no well I can't do art therapy because it has to be good exactly or of a level but it's not no about that no I think that's another really common misconception that I often face is that particularly adolescents when they come in they're sort of 15 16 17 and they're just saying oh well I'm not very good at this I can't do art I'm I'm rubbish and I just say to them it's not about the image you're creating it's really about our relationship and also the process that you're going through and it's not about the end result or the product that's not no. that's not why we're here but I think I can see why people get caught yeah. up in that because yes. obviously if you've been through an educational process where it is about sort of the end yes result, you think of whereas, art classes yeah, yes, yeah, you yeah, think yeah. all the people are better at yeah. drawing a flower than others so yeah. then you think oh I'm not very good at art exactly yeah. so it's almost like I'm having to kind of break down stigma or sort of those thoughts that people have attached to sort of art making yes sometimes potential service users might say oh well I don't think it's for me and as part of the assessment process, I would usually meet young people maybe two or three times before we start. Oh, would you? Yeah. I was just going to ask you about yeah. the process. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would typically sort of, I guess, within my, my CAMS team, I would meet the family, the child, the young person, at least have those three preliminary sessions to really tease out if it did feel like a good fit for them, kind of explain a bit more about what the process is tell them a bit more about the boundaries of the therapy we meet weekly it's for like 50 minutes kind of discuss the goals of the therapy what would they like to work on so all those things are really important so usually typically I would set up the room with all the art materials in so they could also have a go at trying to make an image yeah and ultimately see at the end of those three sessions if we both felt like we should proceed and and it felt like it would be helpful what kind of things can art therapy help with because I think that would be really useful for people to hear there's a whole range of different disorders or sort of mental health presentations it can help with. So depression, low mood, anxiety, emotional regulation difficulties. Trauma. Trauma, exactly. Abuse. There's such a wide range. Learning difficulties, especially particularly, like I said, neurodevelopmental disorders like autism. Really helpful, especially with that presentation, because obviously sometimes the talking element is really hard for children, young people who are autistic and adults also. So I think art therapy is quite 
a good way for them to access and to be able to express themselves and communicate difficulties. So yeah. it really can support a very wide range of presentations. And I want to talk about the materials as well. I mean, I'm just sort of eyeing up all these... <laughs> Something about the crayons yeah. I'm just loving. <laughs> is that chalk I see as well? I yes. mean, I just yeah, yeah. I don't even know what you do chalk. with chalk, but I want to use it. <laughs> um, is it something that you would encourage once the, the sessions are finished that those people could carry on to sort of help with their emotional Definitely. regulation and expression? And yeah, I think... It if, wouldn't be therapy, it, but... Yeah, exactly. I think it wouldn't be sort of therapy as such, but I think if drawing or making helps them to regulate emotions, so if there's a child or young person where they're basically experiencing emotional meltdown and they're feeling like they need a way to kind of find themselves back in their window of tolerance, we would say. Yes. So, you know, if you've become dysregulated... You're, you're outside, outside your window of, of tolerance. Exactly, yeah. and your window of tolerance is where we ideally want everyone to be. It's where you feel calm, you feel rational, you yes. can make decisions, and you're able to think logically. So you still experience emotion, but it's less reactive. And I think often certain young people and service users I work with it's about if it is drawing or painting that helps them to feel like they can regulate that emotion and find themselves back in that window of tolerance then we would encourage them to do the art making but it would be different to having a therapeutic yeah, relationship have, and exactly. that three-way relationship you're talking about yes yeah yeah, yeah. but like, it's funny you bring up window of tolerance because that's I, I mean that's why I use drawing because I have such strong feelings from past events right. if they come up it can take me out of my window of tolerance right. Got you. my brain's gone a bit offline or my thinking brain's gone offline yeah, yeah. so just doing sketching yeah sort of brings me back into the window of tolerance again brilliant yeah and I'm sort of back online again yeah yeah the studies to show that art making does increase serotonin mm. dopamine because it's meant to be a relaxing activity mm. so it should naturally reduce the cortisol and the stress hormones so it makes sense and what about materials because we've got materials here yeah this is probably a selection of what you might yes. have but I presume yeah dependent on the age and things like that you've exactly. probably got all sorts of different materials definitely so today we've got oil pastels we've got chalks we've got acrylic paints we've got charcoal there's pens pencils there's also magazines sometimes people want to sort of make collages, collages. exactly <laughs> But yeah, there could also be um, newspapers, sort of bits of materials, yes, feathers, sort of strings. Of yeah, so things to make more of a multimedia kind of 3D piece. So yeah, it really, and watercolours as well. So it really traditionally is set up like an art studio, really. And you've got the sink in the corner and you would have all these materials laid out, a bit like today, and different types of paper. And you would just let the child or young person create whatever they felt like creating can we get involved we're I mean, looking at the table there's two pieces of well actually there's a lot of paper here but yeah. some blank paper yes top of the table there's lots of materials to use yeah you're to my right at the moment mm -hmm. would you stay there yeah so I would stay close to the client but not to, I don't generally like to sit opposite them because I feel like it can feel a little bit intimidating yes. or I can feel a bit like I'm interrogating them yeah. always so I like to sit sort of alongside them yeah so I feel like you're near me you're, yeah you're near me you're not sort of interviewing me or yeah it's not formal exactly but sort of supporting me I guess exactly being present yeah because ultimately I'm here to observe and witness and reflect so that is thicker quality paper that big pad there this is a bit thinner but oh, if you wanted to yeah it's a bit more oh, like, sticky yeah or if you wanted to use more sort of heavier paint this is more sort of if you're sketching Emmy's trying to get involved <laughs> in my Emmy's trying to get involved in my art therapy trying to tear step off sister <laughs> 
So what I'm going to do is I'm going to do my weekend. I mean, I, at the moment, I'm very much feel quite regulated. Great. But I do have problems with weekends still, which I'm working on. So initially, I'm doing these... I mean, I'm, I'm going to put these feathers on because I've been doing this inner child work. This particular part of me, I don't think got enough to do enough sparkly feather things. Mm. So I've been doing that recently. In fact, I was doing that at the weekend. So I'm Brilliant. putting the feathers there to show... Um, to show this part of my weekend... And it's making this part of me very happy because he loves really pretty things. So almost I'm thinking about playfulness. This feels quite playful. Very playful. Yeah. And like quite joyous because mm. it sort of makes this part of me really like, it makes me happy. And now I'm going to, now I'm going to dive in. You know, I'm actually going to use some coloured paper. I don't normally do this to represent difficulties. Mm. So while I'm doing this, I'm feeling like I'm tapping into that sort of playful kind of... Probably an area that maybe as adults we don't tap into, which mm. is like, well, just do it. Get, yeah. get a bit messy. Exactly. Just, just do it, sort of, like you do when you're kids. Yeah. Because kids aren't sitting there thinking, well, hopefully you're not, you know, thinking, I wonder how Polly's going to judge me. I've just made up Polly. Um, <laughs> Polly's going to judge me cutting my paper, my, my pink. I've got a pink bit of sort of pink tissue paper. Mm. You know, we don't sit there, do we? As kids, no. We're just like, oh, we just get, get involved. I think that's probably the, the beauty of art therapy is that it allows you to be, I guess, very present because you're really focusing very much in that moment on what you're creating. It's almost getting you out of that sort of more verbal, analytical yes. headspace. So at the top right of my feathers, which are sort of bright blue, yellow and fuchsia pink, and then I'm putting on the brown. Oh, no, and as I'm doing this, I'm feeling a little bit sad. Mm-hmm. I'm going to explore that a little. What's this? Can I use my fingers? Yeah, there? yeah. There's chalk there next to it, all your pastels. <gasps> okay, I'm going to use the chalk. Yeah, yeah, go for so it. So the chalk, I'm just exploring this sort of sadness. Do you just let, I'm calling the client, but go with it? Yeah. Or would you sort of be jumping in whilst the young person was doing this and go, oh, that's interesting. Would you be asking them about certain things or would you... Uh, there's a mixture of, in the approach. So at times you might just sit back and allow the young person or the client or you know whoever's making the art you would sit back and allow them to, to create and not interfere too much because you want them to be very much in the process but equally if you do see a particular shape or you're kind of curious about something that in the image they're making you could make sort of a reflection on what you're seeing and, and an observation so I mean it really varies some sessions might be quite quiet and actually you very much sit back and then have a, quite often you will have a reflection at the end but oh, during yeah would you, yeah. Have, would you have sort of five yeah, ten minutes exactly so you'd always fit stop sort of five to ten minutes before finishing the session to look at the image together and say you know let's think a bit together about the image what came up for you while you were making what are your reflections now that we're stepping back and looking at the image how do you feel about it can we think a bit about some of those colours you've used, the materials, what's particularly drawn you to that particular material today? So we would often structure it that way in a session where we, we perhaps would do more reflections at the end, but definitely offering observations if it felt appropriate during the session. So so I've got my feathers top right. We'll take a picture of this, don't worry. <laughs> don't, we'll take a picture of this. The two bits of tissue paper sadness in the brown tissue paper then I started putting some red 
chalk is this chalk? yeah chalk um some red around that sort of exploring the sadness for myself and then i found like i wanted to do a sort of brown with another chalk and that felt quite sort of like a stuck feeling mm. and then blue sort of which i've used i've put it on like a stony blue chalk i used the chalk but then i'm wanting to smudge it with my finger mm. um and i'm not sure what that is that feels like in fact the the blue bit feels like a real um even more stuckness mm. and a bit of panic mm. a bit of panic anyway and then i'm going to do top left and i went to see my friend tony so I went to see my friend Tony, and this is what I noticed. Because I get quite lonely at weekends, and I think being single, mm-hmm. I think it also triggers past stuff. Right, of, okay. of abandonment stuff. And yeah. don't always manage to get a conscious connection to the feelings, yeah. but I do feel a sort of loneliness, and I live alone um, with my dogs. Mm-hmm. And what I did notice is when I went to see my friend Tony, oh, this is nice, you see, and as I'm doing this, I really enjoyed his company. I really enjoyed... Oh, something else has come up. Put a pin in that. And it was just sort of, it was really nice to be around him. That's not working. I need to do something. I'm going to put a feather on it. So I put some green chalk, but I felt like that wasn't enough. I needed to do, I needed to go back to the feathers. I want to do a purple feather. I've stuck that on. So were you saying that particular part of the image was a reflection of Tony? Yeah, and then I noticed that it was nice to be with Tony and I enjoyed mm. the... The company. The company. Yeah. I like just being at home. We just watched the Wham! documentary. <laughs> but, you know, I didn't feel so alone then. Mm. But then something came up, mm. and I will explore that. Because I had this feeling, I was like, oh, it's really nice to see Tony. And then suddenly something came up, and it was quite like... I'm using purple, but I think it's a bit like, well, that's not going to last. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Classic abandonment. So I'm thinking about just that sense of feeling fearful. Mm. Fearful. Mm. Definitely. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to put a little protective circle around. I felt instinctively I just wanted to do that. I'm not restricting it, but I've wanted to give it... Some help. <gasps> Pink ribbon. Oh my god. So I felt that when you said it's sort of fearful, I was like, yeah, no, it is fearful. And then I sort of felt like I want to put a little, well, if that's a part that's really scared, rather mm. than just like be angry at it, mm-hmm. I'm going to give it a little bit of protection with a pink ribbon. Picasso, it ain't expressive, <laughs> it is. It doesn't need to be a Picasso. <laughs> no. Exactly, yes. Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> yeah, give, yes. give that a go. Let's go for, oh, Christ. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> Will's... Will's... Um, <laughs> There's Will's, a paintbrush over there. Right? Uh, can I use one of these, yeah, though? Yeah, yeah, Really? Um, Will's spilt glue. <laughs> but, you know, now this is interesting, because when I first started doing therapy, and I got through these levels, but of the levels of shame that might come up, mm. when you start expressing yourself. Yeah. And how those levels, I don't think we maybe talk about it enough, but how those levels can stop people really healing because they'll have a part that feels ashamed even to express. Yeah, Does definitely. Does that come up ever when people are... I, definitely, because I think often being involved in any type of therapeutic treatment relies on the, the client or the person to be vulnerable and it's really difficult to allow yourself to be vulnerable and mm. show those parts of you that you find 
I guess for maybe years, you've really sort of um, suppressed them. So mm. if you've spent years suppressing anger or suppressing sadness or you know there's lots of different emotions that might have been it might have felt not safe in your mm. home environment to to express those particular emotions so sometimes we actually we often praise a lot of our service users for just attending just the first few sessions because actually getting them into the therapy room itself it's a huge achievement just to be able for you know someone who perhaps is feeling a lot of shame or is feeling like they don't feel comfortable opening up Yes. It's a lot just to get them through the door. So a lot of the initial work is about engagement, really. You're trying to really engage the young person. You're really trying to help them to see the benefits of if they persevere with this therapy, it can hopefully help improve some aspects of their life. So the initial engagement and trying to help break down some of the stigma that might be attached is really important. And I think using the word vulnerability, that's what it's about, isn't it, really? Yeah, 100%. Being able to be... Yeah. I mean, if it was how many years ago, I would have... There's no way I'd be like this. Yeah. You know, embracing it and being... But it's like... It is a really tall order to sometimes say to someone, I want you to be vulnerable and be able to really allow some of those defences and, you know, some of those walls that they've built up actually start to lower them. It's really tough. It's dumb. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Can we do a reflection? Okay, so what would you do? Yes, now. So I've finished it. Yeah, so at the end of the art making process, we would then just look at the art image together. I would think about some of the questions or discuss some of the points that might be useful to think about. So I guess one of the questions might be, in terms of the image making, how were you feeling whilst you were making the image? Well, I definitely noticed, you know, how my emotions were changing as I mm-hmm. sort of tuned into different parts of my day and, and, and what I experienced. So from doing the sort of colourful feathers top right, that was a lovely, joyful, spontaneous sea kind of feeling to yeah. it. Very sort of young, vibrant. Like, like connecting like, to the inner child. Connecting to the inner yeah. child. The tissue paper, which is so interesting because even though it's just two bits of coloured tissue paper, even as I look at it, what it's actually representing, mm. I can... F- sort of still get that sense yeah and so there's a lot of sadness and sort of stuckness and aloneness in that bringing in the chalks and then I sort of thought about my friend Tony and going to hang out with him that was quite fun had to put another feather there obviously <laughs> um and then I sort of had that sense of oh well the fear we were talking about mm. weren't we yeah that's sort of like well it's fun but might not last. Mm. And I thought I'd put a protective pink band around it. 
And then why not just throw some more feathers on top? Why not? (laughs) And what drew you to those particular colours, do you think? Was there anything? Yeah, I think the feathers, because they're nice and bright, they seem quite fun and they seem to make me very happy. Mm -hmm. And I've got a real connection to this sort of young part of myself that's like I love feathers yeah so it's obviously what I'm going through at the moment <laughs> yeah. and, it, and, it, and I genuinely it is genuinely making me feel very happy good um and then the tissue paper they're a bit more muted well there's a sort of fuchsia pink but it's a bit more muted than mm. the feathers and then obviously a sort of brownie color mm. and I think that was representing the sort of sadness mm-hmm. yeah and the chalks there's a sort of muddy color and then I just kept on coming back to the feathers again yeah and I think it's quite common in sessions for often adults to tap into that inner child and actually create sometimes create artworks that do feel like I don't want to say regression as such but sometimes Mm. it does feel like you've gone back to an earlier state perhaps an earlier point in your childhood where there perhaps was abandonment or you were feeling a disconnection or so often some of the artworks are like we said before they're connecting to earlier states that we're mm. not even aware of so mm. it's kind of unconscious processes that are coming out in the artwork essentially so which is what's so great about working with colors and mm. these materials and i heard a thing actually i meant to say earlier just i don't know if it's be useful or not but years ago that school a friend of mine's kids were going to the school and they would ask them to describe their emotions but using colors yeah and i just i never forgot it i used to, i've used it the whole time yeah, i still yeah. use it now with yeah. kids yeah, no, it is. It's still quite common in schools for that. Yeah, to sometimes use the colour directory almost to try and yeah, I guess describe or symbolise how you emotionally might be feeling. And so, it really works. Yeah, like I've used it with my sister's kids, all four of them as they've grown up, and it really works. Yeah. Like they don't know what they're feeling. They look a bit frustrated, and then I did it the other day actually with my friend's kids. And through accessing the colour, they go, oh, yeah. "I'm feeling green," and I'm like, "Oh, that's interesting. What does green mean?" Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. green means angry. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay, I really hear you feel angry. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's even um, a type of theory around regulation where sort of, I guess it's more like the traffic light system. So red is feeling angry, amber's feeling you're sort of in that frustration zone and green is actually you're feeling more yourself and a bit mm. more balanced so I know that some schools follow this kind of yes yeah, more of, of a set color yeah, yeah 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 but you're right but I think in terms of more in line with art therapy would be a use of a more a spectrum of color yes. that you would use to reflect you know sort of black and more darker colors maybe you know can maybe show more of an emptiness or yeah. or a darker feeling as opposed to sort of green which is a bit more sort of nature natural a bit more sort of youthful and vibrant so yes because you don't tend to want to go to a vibrant colour if it's representing I don't anyway no I often find that when I've worked with children and young people who I guess I'm thinking more about abuse and trauma a lot of the colours things are mucky dirty colours and I think that represents a lot of the inner feelings that they're you know the messy feelings because I guess ultimately art we try and encourage the children to be messy Mm. and our job as therapists is to contain that mess and hold the mess for the clients so I think those kind of dark dirty murky colors often are quite common and can feel quite heavy Mm. and there's a heaviness to them which Mm. is how they're kind of externalizing some of those feelings that they can't quite put words to it makes it a little bit even this murky color Mm. here the sort of clay yeah color was it makes it easier to feel that emotion exactly with the help of the color yes yeah it's more bearable exactly you're giving sort of a visual language how do you sometimes put into words a feeling? Often I get young people say to me, I can't, I just feel the, yeah. I can't put words in it, but I just don't feel great. Yeah. So, and sometimes the creation of colour is a really good way of articulating those messy feelings that are hard to verbalise. 
I could look at the bit of paper to begin with or even the table and just think, I don't know what to do, I don't mm. know where to start. Do you sort of give guidance and saying, oh, well, how about using this now? Yeah, a very good point. I think sometimes the nature of it being quite a non-directive type of therapy where it is quite open can be quite anxiety-provoking for the client or service user. So sometimes it helps to start off initially with something a bit more structured. And you're right, and maybe for the therapist to guide, the art therapist to guide a bit more into what they could start off with. So I would never sort of direct a client to use a certain material, but what I might do instead is say, why don't you create an image that is about an early childhood memory? Maybe not necessarily helpful for initial session if it feels like it might be too much for them but you would perhaps give them a bit of a pointer to sort of help them get into the flow of it if it did feel a bit too much giving them this open space and open canvas so and actually I guess my last question is what do you get out of doing this because you I feel like naturally when I heard you saying earlier you know you started helping people yeah outside your day job that you were doing and then found that you were enjoying that more and more yeah what do you get out of it now I think for me it's seeing sort of a young person or a service user at the start and you know they're really struggling to come into the room to communicate things are really quite difficult for them and it's just over the the process of however many sessions I really enjoy and find it really rewarding at the end seeing that there's been that improvement and seeing that you know sometimes it can be a really subtle or small change but it's still I find it really rewarding to see that there's some aspect of their life that is ultimately now easier better they're coping better day to day and that for me makes me feel like the process has really helped and worked I think that's what drives a lot of people in caring professions to want to support vulnerable people because you want to feel like you've helped them to either improve their relationship with a sibling or a parent or be able to suddenly go into school they've had months off school and they're now able to go back into school so it's really about those those changes and improvements in their life that I I've kind of I mean that's just so beautiful isn't it yeah I think that's what makes me feel most satisfied with the job so yeah so how could someone go about finding an art therapist in the UK if you wanted to find an art therapist there's the British Association of Art Therapists so BAT B-A-A-T so you could go online and they've got an art therapist directory and it shows you different regions of the UK and then you can search for different art therapists and they will then also share the client group they specialize in maybe they're more sort of trauma informed maybe it's more anxiety based maybe it's more like we said neurodevelopmental more also but yeah you'll see uh, they'll have bios so you can look through and and pick someone and email them and see if they're available oh that's brilliant it's just been so lovely talking to you yeah really interesting and thank you for your time and your materials (laughs) no worries it's really good to just promote art therapy and and hopefully sort of explain a bit more about what it is so i hope it's been helpful it has thank you it's amazing the picture is in my dressing room for my younger self one of my many younger parts i mean there's so many one called brian popped up the other day anyway I thought that was really fascinating. Uh, Do get in touch, let us know if you've had art therapy or maybe you're thinking about it now. And also for, you know, if you have children, because it's obviously very useful for them. So get in touch. Uh, Right, letters. Oh, here we go. Hey, Will. Hey, 
Thank you for the episode on mental health inequalities. I was diagnosed with depression when I was 15, although I know I was depressed well before that. In the 70s, it tended to be a bit of a sledgehammer to deal with it. God, I bet it must have been. I remember my mum getting angry with a GP for wanting to put me on Valium. Blimey. Uh, thank you for talking about this topic. My pleasure. Hey, Will and Amy. Shout out to Amy. Really enjoyed the forest bathing episode. I've had a lot of people talking about the forest bathing, actually. Living in the heart of the city, it's easy to forget that there's so much nature around us. There's a small park near my place that I've been starting to go to more often. And it truly makes a big difference in my day. This is... Amy, we're affecting people's lives. We need to upgrade this to government level. Uh, hey, Will and Amy, I'm really scared of needles, but I really want to try acupuncture. Well, there's a quandary. After listening to the episode, I decided to give it a shot and see if it helps with my anxiety and stress levels. I'll let you know how it goes. Oh my God, do let us know how it goes. Yeah, that's amazing. This is a short one, Amy. Hey, Will, thanks for keeping it real. No problem. I'm down with the kids. Hey, Will and Amy, I've been binging on your episodes and hypnotherapy one was really interesting. I thought that as well. The power of subconscious is unreal. I was sceptical at first, but now I'm intrigued to give it a shot to kick my nasty smoking habit. Thanks for bringing such cool topics to light, and please keep them coming. Uh, yes, I mean, hypnotherapists do deal with smoking, and I, what I thought was really interesting was with Jessica was talking about sort of childhood wounds, you know, and how she can help with that. Thank you for getting in touch. As ever, email hello at wellbeinglabpodcast.com, Twitter at The Wellbeing Lab, Instagram and Facebook at The Wellbeing Lab Podcast. Next week, it's Complex PTSD with Joe Stubbley, who you may remember from our episode on trauma last season. I remember that, Amy, because I was in that amazing house in Cape Town, do you remember? Which was just ridiculously posh. Won't be like that this time. Yes, thanks so much for listening. Take care. Bye. Did you know the Wellbeing Lab is produced by Audio AF and is part of the Acast Creator Network? It's true. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.